What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to yet another episode of Sheehan's World. Today, I have a couple of guests stepping into the world. It's not going to be interviewed style. We're going to sit down, have a good chat about some Boston sports and some news um, about Boston sports this week. So I'm happy to have step into the world yet again, a couple of returning guests. First of all, AJ Crawford from the Sports Bucket. Welcome back, AJ. And yet again, for like the fourth time, we have Lil Dilly stepping into the world. Dilly Huddleston. So, Boris, how you both doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm happy to be here, you know. I think I was on like one of the first like two or three episodes, I want to say. It was like, yes. you know, way back when, before the pandemic, like right when the pandemic started. So, it's yep. great to be back here. Great to be back here, bro. Happy to have you back. How about you, Dilly? Living the dream. Living the dream. I love to hear that. Well, this is going to be an awesome episode. Going to have uh, some great talk uh, to start. The Kyrie comments that he made this week. We just want to dip into that a little bit. Then we're going to talk about the Celtics and um, talk about a little bit about Game 2. But uh, most importantly, Game 3, Mookie. You got to quiet down back there, Mookie. Little Dilly's dog back there. Softball or something. <laughs> Third topic we're going to talk about is Julio Jones uh, and his rumors with the Pats and the possibility of him landing there. And then finally, we're going to close it out uh, in discussion with the Boston Bruins and their series coming up with the New York Islanders. So we're going to have some great talk today. But to start, boys, Dilly, AJ, Kyrie Irving came out in his press conference this week and had some comments uh, for – his upcoming game and his return for the first time, I think since fans have been in TD um, and his return to TD guarding with fans. So he came out this week and he was asked, you know, what he believes it's going to be like when he returns to the TD garden. And he basically came out and says he hopes it can stick to strictly basketball and there's no, you know, belligerence or subtle racism or racism at all. Um, And many Celtics fans were really thrown off by this because just a few years ago, uh, Kyrie was talking about how he has never experienced anything like that in the TD Garden and in Boston. So it was a little surprising to people. Um, I think a lot of people were just shocked. Um, and I don't think any anyone can really say like Kyrie hasn't experienced this before or he's lying or anything like that. I don't think that's the, the right way to go about it. I think we should definitely have a discussion about this though because it really threw me off it was out of the blue he had never mentioned it before and again when he was asked about it back in the day he said he never experienced it before so you know boys either one of you can start uh how do you feel about this like what what emotions do you get from this what 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 do you think about it in general dilly i'll let you start buddy i'll let you start sure um, he's a fraud, he's a liar, and he makes shit up as he goes along. I mean, how can we believe anything that comes out of this guy's mouth? I can't argue. I Like, I can't argue with you. It's just, it's it's really tough. It's a tough discussion. AJ, what do you got to say about that? Had it, while I understand the, the points, just the points that are trying to be raised, the problem is, is that it's coming from Kyrie Irving's mouth. Had it been from any other player, any other circumstance where it wasn't Kyrie, this kind of the optics of this 
from the Boston fan perspective would have a little bit more like plausibility. The problem is, is that Kyrie Irving has had such a tenuous um, just exodus from Boston. And ever since he's been in Brooklyn that he's kind of been just like wanting to create separation from him being in Boston and him now away from Boston. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I mean, he's like everything he says, you have to be take with a grain of salt. It's like, he literally said he heard no racism or anything like that his entire time that he was in Boston. He's never heard it before. Why are you saying that you're expecting it now? Yeah. 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 No. And you know, that's the point. Like a lot of people are upset with like, a few years ago, you said you never experienced it before, right? And a lot of people think he's just coming out and saying this, you know, just to try and avoid, you know, the booze he's going to get, you know, the words that are going to be said. I mean, you hope that fans are obviously going to, you know, try to sway away from anything of that sort. You don't want that at all. You don't want the stuff that's been happening like in New York with Trey Young where he got spit on by a fan and Russell Westbrook where he got popcorn thrown on him by a fan. Those are absolutely ridiculous. And it's it's really tough to, you know, want to believe Kyrie Irving or want to agree with him in some sort uh because, you know, we know the history. You know, he he told the fans that he planned on re-signing here. The next season. If you'll have then, me. Yeah, if you'll have me. If you'll have yeah. me. Everyone wanted to have him. Everyone was accepting him at that point. And then you get to the end of the season and everything that had gone on within the locker room, all the you know miscommunication with the team, and going into that playoff series with the Bucks, and he just completely gave up. You know, yeah. he had one game where he shot seven for twenty-two, said he was never gonna do it again, and then he shot uh, eight for 22 or he shot eight for 22 that first game. And then he shot worse than the next game. And he kind of just gave up on the team. So it it's like, it's real tough to see where this is all coming from. This entire situation was kind of just a knee jerk moment for Kyrie to kind of work on controlling the narrative. Kyrie has been a player that is all about controlling the narrative around his basketball career. He wants that total autonomy where he can live in his own world, pun intended for Sheehan's world, but he wants to look, he wants to be surrounded in his own world. He wants things to go his way or, or it's the highway. So he says these comments. He has this where it's kind of on the, from the surface level optics. If you boo me, you, you are racist. And that's what it gives off. Now the conversations that are being born out of this controversy are a little bit more believable. It's a little bit better. You have Marcus Smart rehashing his past with um, his experiences in Boston. Bruce Brown, a native of Boston, who actually I played basketball against way back when. Shout out Bruce Brown. Um, you have Bruce Brown kind of giving his comments with um, his experiences being a resident of Boston and growing up in the city. Um, and you have Tristan Thompson who said, it's been it's good when you're on the team, but when you're not when you're an opponent, it's a little bit of a different story. So, right. But to say that this is just a Boston thing, this is just something Thank that you. happens here, is just completely disingenuous to the way that the rest of the country operates. Just this week, we had three Utah Jazz um, fans that were now banned for life for their racist comments um, towards uh, John Morant. Um, 
you've had other instances of just poor fan behavior, as we've noted, the New York fans spitting on Trey Young and the popcorn bag being thrown at Russell Westbrook, albeit not as serious of an issue as the topic of race, but still issues of fan volatility. So to say that Boston fans are the only racist sports market is just kind of kind of like just rehashing the wheel from what happened 40, 50, 60 years ago. Not that things have, haven't popped up. You're always going to have instances pop up here and there. Like there's been instances of baseball with Torrey Hunter and Adam Jones that have been well-documented in the past five or so years. But just making it seem like Boston is the worst place and that it is a terrible sports city or it has a terrible fan base that will boo you and call you racial epithets to your face is not not what Boston sports fans are truly about. The Celtics are the first team that had a black athlete for playing for their team. And a black coach. Yeah. Who were the yeah. same guy. Well, yeah, but irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really tough. Just uh like AJ, what you were saying, like everything that you were saying about that. Like Boston fans are most known for being passionate and they're not known for, you know, being racist or anything like that. That's not what they're mostly known in the, for. In the modern era. In the modern yeah, yeah, era. in the modern era, correct. And, like, again, what you said, it only it just doesn't only happen in Boston. It happens all over the place. It's it's incredible. And, like, that's a shame that it has to happen anywhere. It's It shouldn't be in sports. It shouldn't be anywhere at all. Um, Agreed. I think we're all in agreement on that. Yeah. And I don't know anyone. I mean, we all have tons of friends. We're all Boston sportsmen here. I don't know anyone that is even remotely upset for Kyrie for being born black. We're mad at him for being a dickhead. Yes. Yeah. Just the, the the lack of professional decorum that he showed and kind of just all around diva attitude is not what is has been represented or perpetrated by Boston sports teams. And we don't like that. So we're going to blame where we're mad at him for that. But yeah, he doesn't, oh. but he, he wants to control that narrative. Imagine if Belichick was his head coach. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. The, the reason why the reason why Boston fans are going to be so tough on Kyrie with booing and, you know, chirping and everything like that is because when you come to Boston, you're expected to win. You're expected to be expected to be a championship caliber player. So when you come here and you give a bad vibe and you treat, you know, Celtics fans specifically the way you treated them, they're not going to like you, obviously, <laughs> you know, like, what do you expect to happen? Like, the way that you have left Cleveland, even the way he left Cleveland, it was the same thing. You know, he didn't want to be behind in LeBron's shadow and he caused a whole ruckus there. And then ever since he left there, he was trying to avoid Cleveland Cavalier fans. So it's like, this is nothing new with Kyrie and, you know, trying to avoid fans, trying to create a narrative that, you know, I'm not saying that doesn't exist at all, but something that is out of the blue completely out of the blue like you're going into this game you're you bring that up like you bring up oh i don't want any racism or subtle racism like bro where is this coming from and that's why yeah. everyone's so thrown off it's like where where are you getting this from like why is it just out of the blue you're saying this now you had all that time to say it but as soon as you're about to go into game three and there's going to be a packed td garden that's what you're bringing up now 
He's trying to divert the attention off himself. Yes, completely. To go into it when you were when you were asked the, the, that that question of just like what do you expect for Game Three? What do you expect from the fans? And to, like he leads he leaves with the issues of like oh it will be a hostile environment, but then he brings it up secondarily that the races that the, the quote unquote racist fans will be an issue. He then when probed a follow up question, albeit the right follow up question in that context by Rachel Nichols, he then gives a half ass response and starts laughing it off. So not only are you kind of forcing a false narrative currently in, in, in Boston sports fans, you're also kind of making light of the current climate of the issue that is in our country with, with r- racial tension and with racial, racial diversity and stuff like that. It just, mm-hmm. it, it, it just, it brings a, a, a lack of seriousness and awareness of the topic. Thank you, right. I know. Sorry, sorry, guys. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> We're just getting his words in, too. No, but, you know, I don't know if you guys noticed this, too, um, but when he said that, if you guys go back to the video, his body language gets a bit tense. When he's saying mm-hmm. it, he starts to move his hat. You know, like, do you guys believe he was, you know, uncomfortable bringing that up? Like, like uncomfortable in the sense, like, he knows – he's trying to divert the attention away or uncomfortable with just saying that stuff in general. I don't, you know, I don't think Kyrie's uncomfortable when it comes to, you know, speaking his mind about that stuff, but it was very, I I just noticed like his body language changed. Like he got really tense and he's just like, when he started to say he's fixing his hat, he's like, yeah, like um, I just don't want the racial stuff to happen. And it's like, so it was kind of right. like it was like, kind of I mean, like no one said that was going to happen. It's kind of like when you see LeBron James with a book that he has open like halfway through, yeah. and then ask ask him a question about it. So what's your favorite part? And he's like, oh, you know, I haven't really, you know, got it, got into it yet, um, <laughs> you know. Um, but Malcolm X, man, he was a really, really, really smart man. Yeah, um, yeah, but I haven't really got into it yet, but. Uh, yeah, it was the same energy. He, he, you clearly didn't read the book. You're clearly making this up. Like, pitter patter. Let's get out of our next question. And Love it's the teammates letter, too. Yeah. Like Landry, Landry Schmidt and um, Blake Griffin both came out. You know, uh, I think they were asked about it as well, and they were saying that they've never had an issue with Boston fans, and they appreciate they his own teammates saying this. They appreciate Celtics fans for the energy that they bring to the TD Garden. You hear Perk that starts to talk about it, right? And t- Perk played that played there forever. He starts to talk about it and how he never experienced it. And a lot of other players haven't. And again, I don't want to say that Kyrie hasn't experienced this in his life. But, you know, it looks it looks real weird when you're about to go back there for the first time, really. Not the preseason when there was no fans there and he was going around with the Sage, right? Right, like burning sage, man. All the bad vibes, all the bad energy in there, right? Like, this is the first real time he'll be in the TD Garden since he left, and he knows he knows how the fans are gonna be. But to come out and say that, that's why people are ticked off. Like, no one said that was gonna happen. Who said that that was gonna be the narrative, you know? 
Kyrie is not the empathetic character. He is not the character in this storyline that is deserving of sympathy because of what he has done in the past, because of how his career has played out in the comments and the actions that he has done. Look at even the season. He left his team for two weeks just to go to his sister's birthday party, albeit, I understand, family is important. But when you're an NBA athlete, two weeks? Millions of dollars. Two weeks? Two, two week absence from, for, for a birthday party. And then you come back, oh, because your team actually made a move to get James Harden onto the team and you all of a sudden come back. Like he said, he's had more he- mental health work days this year than the entire healthcare industry all of 2020. Yeah, no, I, I was about to bring that up. There's been a lot of games this year he's taken off for just personal time. It's like, what? <laughs> like, just personal time. That's all it's been. A lot this season. And like AJ, you bring up that that instant uh, that that incident that happened at the beginning of the season, and Stephen A. Smith was just saying he should retire. Like. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't even argue that. His head was not in the right space at that time. He's not making decisions for his team. He's making decisions, you know, for himself. And, you know, it was just all over the place. Like, his head wasn't there. And it's like, where is this guy's head still, you know? Now that he's in a winning position and it's going to be, you know, all, you know, rainbows and, and, you know, sunshine, unicorns and cupcakes from here on out because – you know the Celtics aren't really a formidable foe at the moment. No, you're no. gonna go into you're gonna go into the next round, and who who's their opponent gonna be? The Knicks, Hawks series, or lowest seed, or high seed, whatever. I mean, like, have a cakewalk. I mean, the Celtics are hurt, and the Celtics honestly look like shit. And it's, I mean, it'd be a whole different series if Jalen Brown was there, because then you could have Jalen covering someone, and you don't have Tatum getting knocked around in the face. You know, literally sucker punched in the face. I don't think it was intentional, but still. Poked in the eye as well. Didn't even get a foul for it. And Tatum, um, I want to talk about this too now that we're getting into what happened in game two. Um, You know, that that was tough. Tatum's right. You know, he's starting to realize where he is in the league, his placement in the league, and he's starting to realize, you know, he is a young superstar. He's on the borderline of superstar, right? Basically one of the best young players in the league. And how is it all these superstar guys are getting these calls, but Tatum gets poked in the eye? You know, if something like that happens with another guy, they're stopping the play and they're calling a foul. They're going back to look at it. You know, they didn't do anything like that. And the guy's on the floor like he was out for the rest of the game because of it. And even in front of the ref, I believe it was in game one, um, Tatum's face guard and guarding KD – KD takes him, wraps his arm and kind of tosses him and then takes his forearm and shoves it into his face. And and the ref is looking at that. Now, if that's reversed and Tatum did that to KD, they're looking at that for a possible flagrant. I'm not kidding. A technical call at least. Tatum's not getting the superstar whistle for sure. But, I mean, I guess that comes a time. Honestly, in my opinion, for the Celtics to win tonight, Tatum's going to have to go Michael Jordan circa 86 dropping 63 points. I don't yeah. see a way where they can completely. The, and the Bulls lost that game. Jordan's dropped sixty three, and they lost that game. Yeah. No, uh, for I mean, I what I've been hearing all week on Boston Sports Radio on my commute to and from work. You, you is, gotta quit listening to that. You, you gotta quit yeah, listening you can't. to that. No, yeah, can't even listen to okay. Ninety eight five is like Townie Central. I hate ninety eight five. Ninety three seven is great. 
985 you you are you you do have maybe half of a brain and you you just see Tom Brady and David Ortiz and that's all you know about Boston sports like that's that's 985 I think Felger and Maz literally hate Boston sports I don't think they actually cheer for them Well Felger's from Minnesota so yeah I, but still like you get, like it's like whatever go ahead Anyway, anyways, um, <laughs> you, you kind of want to see the, the, you know, just the Celtics show a little heart, a little bit of a gumption, a little bit of balls tonight. You want them to play like, you know, they don't care who they're facing. You don't care, like lose, but lose with pride. Like it, you, you everyone knows that you're not in a in a in a position to win. Even we're the most, saying, like we're we're saying all this, and they're gonna go out and win by ten tonight. Watch. Good. I, I I will gladly be the jinx. That's it's fine. Minus eight. I it's minus eight. Wrong about that. It's minus eight right now. A lot of people think they're going to cover. I think they're going to lose by twenty again. Yeah, a minus eight. I mean, the the thing that's going for them is that it's a home game, and and that's kind of and you know, fans will be electric. It will be a raucous environment, and I hopefully the comments made by Kyrie doesn't kind of dissipate that. I hope they it if it elevates them to kind of just bring the energy and bring the noise right. appropriate, appropriately, of course. Yes. But Tatum needs to kind of just have that killer mentality. He needs to start having a game where in the playoffs where like, like, like when he dunked on LeBron um, two years back, when he, when he, when he, when he, did, when when he was he did a rookie, that, when he was a rookie yeah. three years ago, game seven, yeah. when, he, when he dunked on LeBron, that was yeah. like, everyone's moment of realizing we have something here. We have a piece. We have a, a potential stud in that. That was like the moment. Well, you know why he got that opportunity, which is crazy? Because Gordon Hayward's leg was still broken in half and Kyrie tore his vagina. Yeah. Yes. But like you need to kind of see that Either tonight, game four, I don't care. You need to see it over these next two games in some capacity. Otherwise, it's going to raise a lot of questions for the fan base. It's going gonna, it's gonna to raise a lot. Like Right now, it, the reports are that Jalen's safe, Tatum is safe. Everyone else is on the table to be, yeah. to be moved. Marcus right. Smart's expiring in two years. Everybody else is still young. Veteran players that aren't as you know polished anymore you need to see that smash mouth out of out, like smash mouth basketball out of the gate mm -hmm. otherwise otherwise there's going to be some serious serious concern moving forward and that's just all i got for the celtics in terms of ability right now yep well tonight you know going back to game two i just wanted to say something real quick about it um, I don't want to blame – there's a lot of games where I can say I can blame the refs for the Celtics' losses because anyone could see that, uh, you know, in the past. But with game two, I just want to talk about real quick. I just hope there is more consistency on both sides of the floors tonight with mm -hmm. the fouls that are called. I'm not blaming the refs for that last game at all because, you know, to be honest Point. with you, the Celtics, the Celtics aren't expected to win. They're not even expected to be close. So you yeah. can't even really say it was the refs. But from the very start of the game, when Marcus Smart got called in like the first minute, um, I knew it was going to be a tough night for calls. I mean, you're calling stuff on the Celtics that are soft, right? But you go to the other end of the floor, and they're doing the same exact thing. The Nets are playing them the same exact way. They're following them the same exact way, and there's no calls. 
So I just hope there's a little bit more consistency with tonight because when it comes down to it, you know, the Celtics, they've been in trouble with that. They, they, they fall behind. They can't catch up again. And they're not getting the calls that they think they deserve. And I think that too, I think that as well. I think a lot of times their separation happens because they're not getting the right calls and they're doing everything right. They're doing exactly what the Nets do on the other side of the floor. Like I could see it the other night, like James Harden got, got a drew a fall on some BS, like barely touched, but on the other end of the floor, if that happens, that's not getting called. I'm just hoping, you know, with tonight in game three, maybe it will be a little bit more even because they're at home, but I hope there's some consistency because that really ticked me off last time, but real quick, not talking about the refs going into into tonight. Um, I was hoping we were going to be able to steal one in Brooklyn and that was going to be huge for them because that would have brought a little bit of energy at home. And then you would have had, I mean, home court advantage. I mean, you take one from Brooklyn, you have the next two in the TD. Um, again, not everyone is expecting to win, but that would have been sick if they were to take the next two and went, um, next two and went three, one. So, um, you know, I'm hoping they come out, like you said, AJ, they bring a lot of energy, and I hope Tatum, um, like he's had in some games this year where it really started with the Minnesota game where uh, they were behind and he started to pick it up the whole game and he backpacked them. And he dropped 50 that game, and he's had a couple other games this year where he's dropped 50 and he was unconscious. So, I mean, if they, if they want to win tonight, Tatum's got to come out hot as hell. Kemba's got to come out hot as hell as well. Fournier's got to be able to hit his shots. Neesmith as well. If he brings the energy off the bench, they're going to be good. Um, but, you know, with the Brooklyn Nets, you're not going to be able to stop them on defense. You have to be able to score with them. You have to keep up with them. I said this, you know, before the playoffs started. I said this way back, you know, probably five weeks ago. You have to be able to put up at least 130-plus against the Brooklyn Nets if you want to have a legitimate shot of beating them because you are not beating them on defense. Uh, I don't know if you guys are Barstool Sports listeners, but pardon my take, like did an episode right after the game. They said the formula to beating uh, the Brooklyn Nets is to have somebody say something mean about Kevin Durant on Twitter so he goes off and gets in the tangent. Uh, <laughs> bring bring James Harden to the local strip club, let him eat some chicken wings, and then somebody say something kind of confusing to Kyrie Irving so he goes into his like moon water phase. <laughs> What does government mean to you? What does government mean to you? I saw someone tweet out the best way to get in Kyrie's head for tonight's game is when they call his name, when they announce his name or anything, just be silent. Oh, that'd be hilarious. Just no one make a word. He wouldn't know what to do. He might cry. No. He might cry. Sure. Yeah, no, he, he wouldn't know how to react to it at all. Is ball life or is life ball? Yeah. Kyrie. Kyrie, your thoughts. Are we sure it's not Auntie Drew? Are we sure the world is round? Uh, well, I, uh... <laughs> are we sure the world is not flat? Okay, we gotta go fast. <laughs> gonna go <home. laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's move on. We gotta move on, anyways. Um, all right, we're gonna talk about we we just talked about the Kyrie comments. We talked about Celtics heading into the into tonight for Game Three. Let's talk about the big news going on in Boston sports. Julio Jones to the New England Patriots. People coming out saying it's pretty much done. 
What, what do you guys think about this? The people that are saying that are people that are sources. Trust me, bro. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Like, There's some before... out there. There's some out there that I don't trust, okay? There's some out yeah. there that I don't trust. I mean, I think the Patriots are still probably the favorites. I think for most of what I saw, it's come down to the Patriots and the Titans. And if I'm Julio Jones and, I, and, my, and I'm not Julio Jones, I'm back to Little Dilly. Little Dilly thinks Julio Jones is the best pure receiver of our generation. Um, that's like post Randy Moss is what I'm saying. So like yeah. post Randy Moss, I think it's Julio Jones. And I really don't think it's close. And he's looking at himself. If he goes to Tennessee, he's going to get maybe six targets a game because they run the ball two out of every three downs. He has A.J. Brown across from over there. He's going to be getting a hell of targets too. Ryan Tannehill is not an elite quarterback. He's very good, don't get me wrong, but he's not an elite quarterback. He's an elite game manager. He's Joe Flacco 2.0, but without the playoff success. Okay? He comes to New England. He can work with Cam and Mac. And have a two tight end set going that's going to take all the safety help up the middle. You send him on a stream, he's going to get 12 targets a game. He's probably going to average 87 yards, four touchdowns. Let's see, what, 87 yards, what, nine, ten touchdowns? Easy in your first year? Where are you picking? He has a no trade clause. It just makes too much. Like, it is way too much coincidence that it, 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 would, be too, it would be one of Bill's most major flaws if he doesn't fight on this, on this trade. You give up very low capital because he, they already announced he's trading. You don't need to give a first round. You give a second round. Maybe throw in a player that you don't need. Maybe throw in a Harry. Give him the Harry. Give him Give him Stidham too. You can have him. Merry Christmas. Yeah. We've Just, proven. We have proven that we cannot develop wide receivers. We've proven this. Yeah. I mean, look at our. I mean, the only one right now is. Jacoby Myers and he'll be our second or third option. Right. Okay, he's not a number one wide receiver on literally any other team in the NFL. Yeah, and I love Jacoby. Go Jacoby, NC State product. We love that. Yes, but the whole thing with Julio, it's it, it is the missing link for your offense. You have a you you easily have the two of the top five tight ends in the league that are versatile on both sides on both sides from a blocking and receiving perspective you have nelson aguilar who yes one season of, of pure success with the raiders last year he can he can be a solid deep threat for you you He's have it, it's perfect yeah. you have and then you have kendrick Bourne as a great kind of just like slot intermediate guy but also an mm -hmm. end zone in a uh, red zone demon where that's when most of his receptions so it's a, it's a matchup nightmare. You throw Julio in that mix, it is a matchup nightmare. Yep. No, I got to agree I'd love with to you see guys. happen. I, I got to agree with you guys. I think, you know, now that it's put out there, you know, Shannon Sharp, um, I don't know if Julio knew he was live. That was kind of weird how Shannon Sharp went about that. Yeah. That was a, no, that was a punk move by Shannon. I'm yeah. Be you know, I don't think you should do that. I, I saw someone, uh, an agent come out and say, that's why I don't let my clients go on uh, Shannon Sharp's show because of that. So once it came out, um, I think Atlanta lost their chance of getting something extremely good for him. I think a first round, um, maybe they could still get, but that's, that's what the between, like, Bill, Bill, Bill can make it work without a first round. It depends um, on who's desperate enough. The problem is, is that Julio's contract, you know, is more than ten million. Um, there 15. is, yeah, it's fifteen for this year, and then it's it, yeah, fifteen, fifteen this year, eleven, eleven and a half the next two years. But after um, June second, it goes down dramatically because you can put it all into a signing bonus. Well, that's the cap hit. That's the cap hit for Atlanta. 
not for like for the Patriots. But they, can, they can trade, but they can trade that away. So that's going to come with the contract if they trade it, or yes. they can yeah. work it out. So basically, Atlantic can say, "Hey, I know we don't have a lot of leverage here, but if you throw in like a first, and like let's be honest, if the Patriots get Julio, their their first round pick is going to be in the twenties at the best, right? Like, yeah. Yes. Prop, like, yeah. Unless something goes drastically wrong, they said that cool. Throw in this, and we'll eat some of this cap for you. We'll take ten million of it for the first year. Exactly. That's the way that they'll so, leverage it. It just, it just and, and like the the Shannon the Shannon Sharp incident, um, the you know the already formal there was already rumors of Atlanta be, being ready to trade him that have already been reported, and then on top of that it's just like the money makes sense, the draft capital has gone down. It is it is it 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 is a softball of a move that is to be made, and it just doesn't make and it, and you know we got what four more days Tuesday June first so. Yep. Until this becomes potentially a reality, you know, it, it it just makes too much sense. I think Bill, you know, with how he's done this off season, it's clear he is aggressive. It's clear what his intentions are for this upcoming season and for next season, right? He's loading up. He's preparing for Mac Jones, and for this season, he's loading up, preparing for Cam. And I know he still believes in Cam Newton. There is no reason why he would bring back Cam Newton just to bring him back and be like the backup. He's going to start. He sees something with him. And he understands with Cam's mentality and what he brings to the table and what he brings to the locker room especially. I think he's hoping that Cam's going to turn it around this year. Full offseason. Apparently his mechanics are getting better. And, you know, the Pats are good with that. They're going to – they're – they're going to pinpoint his biggest issues and they're going to really, really work on it. So, you know, either, even if Cam is starting, right? Even if Cam is starting, I would not be surprised if Bill starts to go or Josh starts to go wild card. And um, Dilly, we were talking about this at one point. He runs a two QB set, right? And you were talking about this with Jimmy Garoppolo. If they had brought in Jimmy Garoppolo, they could have had. Cam Newton run some plays, and then you have Jimmy Garoppolo come in. It's a defensive coordinator's nightmare. It's a defensive court. It's a defensive nightmare. Yes. How do you plan for that? And I'm not talking you about. Can't. And I don't know if AJ listened to the last episode. But I'm not talking about doing like one series with Cam, no one series with Mac. I'm talking about doing one play with Cam, throw Mac in there for the next yep. two, then throw Cam in there for there. That's going to be a defensive nightmare. How do you substitute for that? You can't organize packages like nope. that. You just can't do it. And that. And, and hopefully, hopefully Mac Jones is able to prove himself very quick. So it gives us that option to do that. I think, again, like what you're saying, that is a matchup nightmare with the guys that we have. Bill Belichick loves, loves, loves his tight ends. He's got John U. Smith. He's got Hunter Henry. And like AJ said, on both sides, blocking, receiving, they are a nightmare. You got Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers. I said last season was a, a huge bright spot. His footwork is incredible. One of, one of the few. Incredible. He is going to be great. This this team this year, Nelson Aguilar, he's fast as hell. Like you said, AJ, he had a great season with the Raiders. It, and if Julio comes to the team, Bill has the defense he wants. He loves to stack up his defense, and he knows he has the defense where, you know, if the offense is playing bad, he can win games with defense. He knows that. So if Julio comes, oh, it's over. It's over. I, I I'm hoping it happens. I think we're all in agreement. I think it's. I th- I think it will happen. I think all the Vegas odds took him off. So something's happened. We don't know what it is yet, but something's happened because Vegas took all the Julio prop bets down. 
it's because it was it was just like it's a perfect storm it's a match made in heaven with like from a money a situation and just the everything everything feels right it just it's just going to be interesting to see if it actually happens i think so yeah. all right yeah, no i hope it does happen i think it's a perfect storm and again belichick he loves his defense he's got those guys in there that are aggressive as hell like dugger my gosh it is going to be a fun season to watch with that defense. They are going to be flying all over the place. Sidebar. I know we're going to talk about Bruins here. Like did you see what Micah Parsons put on his Instagram story yesterday or today? I did not. So he's wearing number nine, and then the guy next to him defense wears 11, and then he put 9-11 workout. It's going to be a terrorist attack. Uh, so fun fact wait, about Micah Parsons. Wait, wait, wait. Also, yeah, Are you I, sure that wasn't like a meme someone made? No, he literally had it on his freaking story. Is it still up? Oh my I, lord, my lord! So you fun just fact: can't do that. <laughs> wow, wait a wow. Um, Micah Parsons, talent-wise, incredible, fast as hell. He's a beast. That's not cool. <laughs> you can't do it's that. If true, if true, if, if true, because I just, all sent right. you the tweet. I just sent you the, I just sent it to you on, on the thing. Um, yeah, real quick. Um, I mean, oh. while, we're, while we're at a pause here, I'd like to shout out Mookie. I'd like to shout out, uh, all the boys wow. back home. I'd like to shout out my mom. How you doing mama? I'd like to shout out Alan Roy, the real OG. He's the suit guy. He's not the suit guy anymore. He just got a new job. Congratulations, Alan. Um, who else listens to this? Yep. Who else listens to this on the reg? All you guys, we love you. Yeah. I love you too. We all love you. All right. All right what, what do we think? What? I just, uh, all right. Yeah. I, you know, can't do that. Completely, completely out of pocket. Do that. Like, have the tiniest bit of self-awareness. Just the tiniest bit of self-awareness. So there were – the reason that Micah Parsons wasn't a top 10 guy is that there were a lot of character concerns coming out of Penn State. That's part of it. The other the other reason is everyone wanted offense. Offense was crazy, yeah, crazy, that's, crazy. That's too. That's yeah. But the character concerns were were part of his, like, draft stock that were brought up into question. Well, there's the character for you on social hmm. media. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm, I'm really glad I brought that up because I thought for sure you guys had seen that. That's just no. terrible. No, I that, did not that, do that. No. That, is, that is completely out of pocket. You can't say that shit. I'm, I'm, surprised, that that hasn't so picked, I'm surprised that hasn't been picked up by, like, major or anything. Oh, yeah, no, I can't believe that either. I haven't seen that. That's the first time I'm seeing it. Um, let's move on a little bit, though, because we are – we have one more topic to talk about here, and I know, Dilly, you have to go at some point, so I want to be able to talk about the Bruins. Micah Parsons, maybe find your brain. Um, maybe, you know, <laughs> look up some facts next time. Maybe grab, just grab your neck and give it a real hard pull so your head comes out of your ass. Maybe filter what you're about to put on social media. Yeah, I couldn't figure yeah, it out. Look. Tough look, tough look. Let's, let's um, talk about the hub of hockey. Let's talk about the bees. Yeah, let's talk about let's the boys. About... They're buzzing. Boys are buzzing. Great trade for Taylor Hall. Oh, we talked about it. Great I told trade. you I loved it. I told you yeah. I loved it. No, 
And uh, the great thing about this is, I was talking to someone about this, the great thing about Taylor Hall being able to be on the Bruins is he's not backpacking anymore. He's not carrying a team. Right. He is there to score. That's all he's there to do. He's there to score, and that's all he has to focus on, and that's why it was such a great trade. And the biggest question was, is he going to be able to mesh, mesh with Krejci? Krejci oh, no is doubt. an elite center when he has to. He's a pass for center. He needs someone good. He has been begging the front office. Begging, begging, please give me someone on my wing. Give me somebody. We got to Taylor Hall, and they are like freaking peanut butter and jelly, and it's great. We had the perfect line showing up finally. It was just a whole lot of fun, and now we got the Islanders, and I can just go ahead and say, fuck New York once again. Welcome to the shit show. Who's your daddy? Yeah, that Taylor Hall trade, just the, it, 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 it's most likely going to be a rental, but to, just to get a play, a top six forward at that value – where you can just add into just the whole star power of those first two lines with Marshan Burge, with Krejci. It just, it, it's, it's just paying off for them. It's paying dividends, and it's he, great to see. He was huge in the Capitol Series. He's not even a rental, he's though. He, he's not going to be a rental. He's going to stay. He said he, wants to stay. He, said he loved it here. So he, he's he a loves love it here. here. Yeah, yeah he's going to stay. There's That's no doubt. I wonder, what, I wonder what, the, what the money will look like for him is. Like, I wonder what the hometown discount he'll take is because if he can stay for like maybe two, three years at six, six and a half, that would be, that would be mint. Which is, which is, which is key because like there's, they're going to be like strapped here. They're going to be kind of strapped. Also, I have to, I, I got a okay, hand on the table, hand on me. Tuka played well. He played well. Oh no. Oh no. Dilly, you have not been a Tuca fan. I'm not a Tuca guy. I think he's washed. I think he's his best years are behind him. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Hot seat, uh, Dilly. Tuca Rask, you were good. <laughs> Very good. Very good. That's I it. Own it. I good. own it. I own it. I own it. Tuca Rask, you were good. Keep it up. I still think we should give old boy a game or two. Maybe let him get a little experience. If you go up, if you go up 2-0, if you get the home series, yeah, throw, throw him in on the away game. We talking about Swayman here? Yeah, Swayman. Swagman. Swa- Swagman. Thank Swagman. you. Swagman. Swagman. Be appropriate. We're yeah, I say it, it's the swag here. Oh, I mean, it's it's great depth, and he could be the next big thing after when if the Tuka train ends after this year, right? Tuka's a free agent. He's a, he's a free agent. Him and Krejci. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's so. tough to see. So it could it, it could it could be a nice diamond in the rough that we that the Bruins have come across. But uh, you know, going against the Islanders, I think this is key because now they have the home 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 ice advantage. Um, I think on paper, Bruins are much better talent wise, especially those first two lines. Um, Varlamov has had some inconsistencies this year. Um, um, Anders Lee definitely being out for the year hurts them on the offensive end for the Islanders, but. There's still there's still like a very dark horse team that can surprise you, especially you know when Varlamov is on, when the all of their lines are doing a good job uh, working working in between the blue lines. It, it, it's going to be tough to see what the Islanders have to offer in this series. Gotta gotta uh, be on top of um, Barzil too right away. Matt Barzell Matt Barzell is there main offensive cog right now and that's somebody that they have to stop immediately 
to make any to 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 make it an easier series. That's just you know. What do you guys What do you guys think is going to happen? Do you think, think they think, go full seven? Um, no, I I I, I think uh, as of right now, um, six. Uh, but I could also see it going five the Bruins way. But it's I don't see it being a seven game series. I think the Bruins just have way too much talent. And credit to the Islanders for creating the upset against a shaky Pittsburgh team. Mm-hmm. But it's still this is in the Bruins' favor with home ice, with bigger talent, better goaltending. It's, it's asterisk on this home ice, and we're gonna have full capacity come yeah, Saturday. Yeah. That's yeah. huge. That That's is massive. massive. Um, and I don't know if New York is because the city smells Almost. like cat piss. But um, yeah, well, that, politics aside, yes. <laughs> um, um, yeah, big time, big, big, big time, big time series. I got bees. I got bees in four. I'm feeling real cocky. Wow. All right. Putting, All right. Put, putting putting my nuts on the table, say it were, as it were. Um, I don't know if I actually believe that or I'm wishing it into existence. But yeah, bees in four. I think it's going to be a quick one. And then they're going to lose the first game by two, and I'm going to, you know, have to come back in here. And- drink, drink, drink the sorrows. <laughs> drink your sorrows away. Um, I, you know, um, I think the harder series um, was last series, and then who knows yeah. what will happen if next round plays out. But um, I think the Capital Series was a much more uh, was a much harder series for them. I think this is just a, a better situation for them overall than if I think the matchups are better. I think the matchups yeah. are better in this series. Um, I think the emotions were a lot higher in the last one because we, we we don't like the Capitals, the whole Char situation. That was a big, big thing. Tom um, Wilson. Real, well, Tom he's Wilson. a kick. He's, he's such a kick. <laughs> and I say Tom that, Wilson. but I, and people are like, how can you support Brad Marchand but not Tom Wilson? Tom Wilson's a douchebag. Brad Marchand yeah. is a pest. Brad Marchand tries to get in your head. He licks yeah, people. He doesn't, he doesn't try and take a skate off and try and stab somebody. He's not Happy Gilmore. He's freaking Brad Marchand. What are you? Yeah. There's, yeah, there's no. a line. Tom Wilson. Line. Tom Wilson's just a straight up a dirty player. Like there's yeah. a difference between there's a difference between Marchand and Tom Wilson. Right? There is. I'm sorry. Tom Tom Wilson is the Matt Cook of the 2010s. That's just how it yeah. is. Oh he my God. is. Like, he, yeah, 2020. You take it. 2020. Uh, <laughs> just the last couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think with this series coming up, just real quick to talk about it, the boys are going to be hot. The boys are hot right now. They came off in an incredible series. They were buzzing. I mean, and it was a physical battle. Very, very physical battle with the Capitals. I mean, almost – after every play, there was a scrum. And going into this series, they're hot. You know, Taylor Hall is hot. We got everyone hot right now, like literally buzzing. So they had to come out in this series, take the first two, and end it. And if they can win in five, win in six, I think it the most it takes is six, is six games. Mm-hmm. If it's five, that's great. You get a little bit more rest, and you move on to the next series. No uh, overtime. I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah, no overtime in this one. No overtime games. Don't how call. about how about a sweet baby boy Charlie Coyle from Weymouth, Massachusetts, busting out and having a series? Yep. Okay, Charlie. That's what you need. That's what you need. It can't just be the first line and the in the first line of Posternock, Marshawn, Bergeron. They got to keep Poster? it up. Poster, 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 Poster,
Pasternak. Figure it out. Figure it out, Shane. I'm sorry. Pasternak. Pasta. 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 You're saying like imposter. All right. I don't care. I'm not. Sus. Sus. She and sus. Oh man! This is how you end it. This is how you end it right here. We end it right here. Boys are hot. This chat was hot. It was an electric factory. Kyrie, maybe don't cry too much. Celtics come out hot. Please take one game. Please don't get swept. Just give me one. Uh, Bruins, please just win. And uh, Julio Jones, just please come to New England. Just find your way. I mean, oh, you, go socks. Go socks. Can we talk about the socks? Go socks. the boys. I mean, oh, man. French Cordero. Goodbye. Smell ya. Smell ya. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Although, thank you for that 477 foot moon bomb that you just hit into the orbit. We're going to find that one on Mars. Um, the Red Sox would be in first place in almost any other division, but the AL East is so freaking hot right now. So hard. That's just how it's been. I mean, in this entire decade, that's just how it's been. I don't know yeah. if the Rays are ever going to lose again. Like, like what you, real quick, we can end it on this. Actually, like, what do you guys think? Like, how many games do you think uh, the winner of the AL East is going to have to get? Because uh, it's going to be a close race. They're going to have to break a hundred, right? I mean, yeah, one ten, half to one ten. First one to one ten determined. determined I mean, one ten, a big number. The, the eighteen, the eighteen Red Sox only won hundred and eight. And that was the best team in like history, and they were well, significantly better than every other team in the league. Yeah, like that's a big number. I don't know I, about that. It's probably gonna be one hundred two, one hundred three. Yeah. Okay. It's gonna be yeah, a I, I, I can, I'll come down. I'll come down. I mean, because they're gonna play each other a shit ton too, so they're gonna beat up on each other too. We have to take that into account. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Red Sox have thirty wins. There's only. Oh, wow. The NL West is tough, too. There's three teams in the NL West with 30 wins, still. Yeah. You hope you hope that the pitching can maintain. And we're still supposed to get we're sale back. At, we're adding Chris Sale to that. Yep. And, we have, and we got our sweet baby boy down in uh, AAA right now. Tanner Houck. Tanner. Tanner. I'm, hope, I'm hoping to see him next week. I'm trying to see him next week if he's in the rotation. I mean, yeah. yeah. Blue Sox game. Well, um, and then freaking that well, our farm system's looking freaking nice, dude. Tristan's hitting nukes. Freaking Duran. Oh, yeah, Duran's nice. Duran Duran had, bombs. Duran had two home runs that combined for like nine hundred and fifty feet. Are you yep. kidding me? Mm-hmm. That's stupid. That's yeah. stupid. That's a metal bat stat. Yeah. And then Bobby Dahlbeck has kind of come into his own these last ten games. He's been uh, batting above 300 he's kind of yep. breaking out of that little slump to start the season so, so. he was he wasn't really he was uh, the most unlucky player in baseball he was hitting balls harder than anyone because it was right at people every single time yeah and it, and it made it look worse because he got up in a lot of clutch situations like two outs two on that kind of thing and he would either strike out in that situation but still have a two-hit game it just it made it look a lot worse than it was and it's, he's finally getting a little bit luckier with the balls his balls got lucky he's got lucky balls He's got lucky balls. Say balls again. <laughs> He's got lucky knackers. <laughs> All right. Well, we're coming towards the end of the show. We're coming towards the end of the conversation. 
This is Friday, so the Celtics will be playing at 8.30. It's about 7.15 right now, so this episode will be out tomorrow. So hopefully tomorrow the Celtics come out and we all wake up and they have a win. So Hawks have Miami in town. Right. And Bruins, the Bruins, does that series start tomorrow as well? Saturday. Yep, start tomorrow. So we will be checking out those games. But as I come to the end of the show, I just want to thank you both so much for hopping on. This was some great conversation. I love doing this, just being able to sit down and, you know, just shoot the shit about Boston sports. Going to start trying to do this a lot of more, uh, a lot more while uh, <laughs> a lot more while still doing the interview style. Um, so real quick, Dilly or AJ, uh, one of you guys, you can start with this. Can you just plug uh, where everyone can find you? Um. So you can follow on Twitter at the Sports Bucket. Uh, sports Bucket is uh, live on Twitch whenever we feel like it to talk all things sports. Uh, you can join our Discord, uh, discord.gg slash the Sports Bucket. Uh, hopefully I can start also a, a new thing as well for it coming right. up pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Cool. You can always find me on Twitter or Instagram, dhuds. Uh, that's B-H-U-D-D-S. Lil Dilly on Twitter. Um, or you can just find me at Sheen's mom's house. Wow. Why do you have to do that? A little bit of a All right. I'm just kidding. I love you, Mr. Sheen. (laughs) What the hell? What is this? (laughs) All right. So real quick before I plug where everyone can find me, shout out DC4L Custom Tees. They've been hooking it up for me. You can find my merch there. I got the Sheen Jerp, the Sheehan Jeep T got Sheehan stickers, got Sheehan posters now. So pretty much anything you can find there. Um, shout out 009. He's got my intro beat. Shout out all Boston sports. Uh, yeah, and shout out the world, basically. So yeah, Sheehan's world. Um, so you can find me at Sheehan's World Pod on Instagram at 401 Sheehan, 401 S-H-E-E-H-A-N on Twitter. And that's that. So thank you, everyone, so much for stepping into my world. Hope to have you step in next time. And Dilly, you jerk. I'm Never so say sorry. that again. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, that's the way to end it. All right, thanks, everyone. Peace out. Hope to have you step into the world next time. Hi, Mookie.